0: there, welcome to the podcast. I'm Phoebe Holdenson-Kamira, a GP with special interest in mental health. I work with the Black Dog Institute in the eMental Health in Practice project, developing and delivering educational material for health professionals. This podcast is a distillation of some of the important information from webinar 46, collaboration between health professionals, the key to improving patient outcomes. This webinar, discussed collaboration between treatment teams with a special emphasis on online resources. The guests on the webinar were Elise Apolloni, a community pharmacist, practice owner and trained Lifeline volunteer counsellor. Dr Guy Gordon, a GP with a special interest in mental health who works in the northern beaches of Sydney. And Dr Peter Baldwin, a clinical research fellow and clinical psychologist at the Black Dog Institute. Dr Jan Orman, A GP with a special interest in mental health was facilitating this webinar. In this presentation, we talk about the benefits to a collaborative approach to patient care in the community setting. And this includes GPs, psychologists, pharmacists, and other allied health providers. We also talked about the role of the pharmacist in monitoring and managing psychoactive medications safely and how to augment our therapeutic approach with online resources. Elise is going to tell us a little bit now about how she became interested in mental health as a pharmacist and the role of pharmacists in mental health care.
1: Um, I've always been interested. I did some post-grad study just after my bachelor um, when I first graduated, but um, it was really solidified in 2015 when we lost one of our pharmacy assistants who was 16 years old to suicide. So that um, definitely motivated us to do more in this space and hopefully encourage other pharmacies to do the same. As a community pharmacist, I I am a medicines expert, so I study medicine and I dispense medications to people and give advice around medications, but also healthcare generally, and strengthen the referral pathways in our community, Um, but in the mental health space specifically um, at our pharmacy, we have all of our staff um, trained in mental health first aid um, and we have um, an accreditation with them um, because of the proportion that are trained. We have private consultation rooms um, where we can have private conversations with our patients that can't be overheard by others um, and that we can sort of refer or, you know, invite people into those spaces um, so that um, they feel comfortable and safe to have those conversations with us. Um, We collaborate with our local um, health professional teams, GPs, allied health, psychologists, um, you know, whoever's willing to work with us to make sure that medications are used as safely and effectively as possible. Um, and that may be in arrangements um, like Guy was mentioning if um, there is concerns around medicine there may be stage supply arrangements or dose administration aids um, that formulate part of that too and we also do outreach so we go to people's houses and we can do home medicines reviews and we can also do in pharmacy reviews as well. Guy really
0: values the knowledge and role of pharmacists and highlights the importance of continuity in pharmacy care provision for our patients.
2: One of the the problems is that people don't go to a regular pharmacist. They'll just pop into whichever pharmacist is is there on the day or the, the most convenient pharmacist. And uh, you know, the, I, I guess one of the strong messages is that people should have a regular pharmacist and really a good relationship with that pharmacist, the person they trust and know, um, because that would really make everything a lot easier. When when the when the person knows, you know, well the pharmacist knows what they're on and how long they've been on it for.
0: Elise shared with us some pictures of the pharmacy that she owns and works in, which includes some beautiful consultation rooms. She tells us about how the setup of this pharmacy helps to provide holistic care and address mental health concerns of their patients.
1: So these are some pictures um, of our um, consultation spaces in our pharmacy. So I know that not every pharmacy in the country has consultation rooms like this. Um, I practice in the ACT and here in the ACT, about 60% of our pharmacies have at least one consultation room. Um, We have two um, and my husband's also a pharmacist. He works in a pharmacy that has six. So I suppose, again, it's around, um, you know, changing the awareness of what, 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 is out there and yes not every pharmacy looks like this but I can guarantee there's plenty of others just like us because we got our ideas from them Um, so so I think I think um, you know just it's nice to share what um, all of us can do and it will hopefully um,
3: make the collaboration between all professions a lot stronger. I know why you have consulting rooms, because I've been in many pharmacies where I've overheard conversations that I really should not have overheard between the pharmacist and and the person that they're talking to. Peter, does the issue of confidentiality come to your mind when you think about pharmacists?
4: It does, yeah. And I guess I've heard, overheard those conversations too. But what really worries me are the conversations that don't happen because of confidentiality, where mm-hmm. people don't ask really important questions about their medications, potential interactions, side effects, all of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I I, I didn't realise that these types of consulting rooms and services were available in pharmacies. And I just really think that we actually need, you know, Medicare billed items for pharmacy consultations. So the pharmacists can be supported to provide these services as well because it really strikes me as a really important service.
0: I think we can all agree that there are benefits to a collaborative approach to patient care and mental health but often the reality just doesn't quite live up to this ideal. Elise shares with us some of the challenges of a collaborative approach for pharmacists in the real world.
1: I think it's just being in the loop. I think um, I've spoken to many GPs and other health professionals in my career and I think a lot of people are not aware of what we can't see as pharmacists in terms of we don't have the full picture. We often don't know what the full profile of medicines looks like, um, particularly if um, we're not their regular pharmacy, um, like they may have regular um, red- regular medical teams. So we often can be providing medicine with a degree of blindness Um an extent I suppose but also um, you know it's just I suppose the willingness to know that we are happy to help um, and receive you know receive correspondence that can hopefully aid the patient knowing that we do see them quite frequently and then obviously people um, that have more complex medicines needs we see more often there are people that I literally see every day Um, Every, you know, every day that I work, I will see um, people, um, you know, who maybe just are passing through even, but, you know, we become part of their lives and part of their routine um, and we get to know them and their families for many years, not unlike many other areas of the healthcare system.
0: One of the most significant concerns with relation to medications for patients with mental health issues is medication errors. Elise shared with us, that in Australia there are 250,000 hospital admissions annually as a result of medication-related problems. That seems like a lot to me. We asked Peter whether this lined up with with his clinical experience with medication-related adverse events.
4: Yes, definitely, yeah. I think anyone who works in complex mental health is a really familiar story Mm. and I think it's, it's easy to forget that people with complex mental health problems have underlying sort of cognitive problems with planning, paying attention, following directions, all of those sorts of things. So there's problems already, but coming off medications, trying new medications and, you know, those medication holidays that no one necessarily wants to talk about, but we know happen. um, It's definitely a familiar story to me, that's for sure.
3: Okay. Let's talk a little bit about our case study, Charlotte. Charlotte is a 27-year-old. She's a new mum. That's her new baby there, six weeks old. And Charlotte thinks her baby has colic, but she's not sure it might be reflux. She's come into the pharmacy. She's clearly tired, exhausted, losing lots of sleep. She's stressed. She says she's stressed because her husband's returning to work next week and she's from the UK, as is her husband, and she's got a lot of concerns about her her distant family um, under the current world circumstances. So, Elise, tell us what you as a pharmacist could do with Charlotte's presentation.
1: Um, we see a lot of new mums in pharmacies. In fact, often the first time a uh, um, person in their 20s 30s or you know somewhere around there um, will work out what a community pharmacy does is when they have um, their first <laughs> little person um, so um, we, this is quite a common presentation from a pharmacist perspective um, we would be concerned about Charlotte's welfare in terms of the fact that she's a new mum there's a lot of pressure there um, and there's a you know there's quite a few red flags that you know her support mechanisms are not about to get any stronger um, in the coming weeks and months from and over the counter 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 perspective we would refer um charlotte on to a doctor to her gp to to investigate the reflux or colic or you know whatever it may be more thoroughly because the evidence for a lot of the -the over-the-counter treatments is lacking and plus um you know some of this would be resolved with um you know prescription medicine but we'd want to make sure that um her bub got the right diagnosis uh but you know we might keep um charlotte in touch with us Um, some pharmacies even have their own mother's groups and things baby club we weigh babies Um, you know we can um, engage with um, with her regularly and hopefully be some kind of easy to access support for her when she may not have a lot of other things going on but certainly referral you know mental health plans um, you know referral to psychologists and you know for other forms of support would be really important too. Jan
0: shared with us some online resources that might be helpful for Charlotte.
3: It's also possible for the pharmacist to suggest to Charlotte that maybe um, if she doesn't feel like going to the GP or even if she does feel like going to the GP, she might like to look online for some supportive resources. So there is a portal that the federal government has set up called mumspace.com.au, which will lead you to all the evidence-based online resources that have been specially developed for parents in the perinatal period, apps, educational programs, and treatment programs for new parents. Guy, what's your experience with these and your view about these online programs?
2: Absolutely. For new parents, particularly in this, you know, world where... um, uh, and particularly in rural areas where it's hard to access information, I think the online, you know, resources are absolutely invaluable. Um, I like to use them as an adjunct to management. So, in other words, I'll ask people to go online to take a particular look at a particular site, uh, what it might be, and then when they come back, we'll discuss it. What have you learned from that? What have you understood from that? Um, and how's you know how's that been for you to see whether they've been able to engage with them or not. Um, and the experience has been, you know, I, I guess uh, different to different people. Some people just can't engage with those online sites or with online therapy. And other people do find it extraordinarily useful and, and actually it, it works well for them. Um, my only little issue is that I also want to see people because I like people to get out of the house you know into the clothes into the car and come out into the real world and mm-hmm. um, my, my my worry is that for some people it's very convenient and they can continue to isolate themselves at home with their depression or their anxiety and not get out otherwise they're a great agent
3: so as a pharmacist you might choose to suggest to somebody that they use one of these resources as well as go along and see their gp or their treating psychologist peter Back in the day, when I first started talking about digital resources, there were lots of clinical psychologists who said, no, 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 it's all in the relationship, the therapist-patient relationship. Tell us about your attitude to online resources.
4: Well, as a a digital health researcher, I'm probably a little (laughs) bit biased, Jen. But um, Luke, I think, yeah, just the point about the clinical relationship is that it for it to be effective it needs to be underpinned by an evidence-supported treatment and that's what a lot of the online resources actually are is they're just digital versions of evidence-supported treatment you know I'm with Guy all the way face-to-face has a very important role to play Um, Mm -hmm. but you know the, the data are really clear that people get benefit from these types of things and in a lot of cases where people have either mild or moderate symptoms, the benefit can be equivalent to face-to-face. So it's not about replacing anything um, or not about substituting the therapeutic relationship, but it's about having options for everyone who you know have a lot of different circumstances.
3: So just to tell you a little bit what, about what's in Mumspace, now you can either refer someone to Mumspace to have a look for themselves, or you can have a look on Mumspace and see what Mumspace has got to offer. Now, just, this is just a sample of what they've got to offer. I know, know that you probably know about Smiling Mind. Mind the Bump is an app that comes from the same stable as Smiling Mind, but it's been devised specifically for parents in the perinatal period. And it includes an awareness of the physiological changes of pregnancy and the life changes that that a new baby brings. So that's something worth knowing about. That dreadful crying baby in the middle of the screen is the logo of What Were We Thinking? And don't these perinatal things have wonderful names? What Were We Thinking is an education program for new parents and pregnant parents, um, which it there's a website and also this 26 week educational program that follows the progress of the baby from birth onwards. And it doesn't just focus on the baby, it also has a particular focus on the relationship and the changes that occur in the parent's relationship as a result of having a baby. And anyone who's had a baby will um, agree that there are plenty of changes going on in the relationship. Mind Mum. Uh, is another program that might be useful for you to know about and mum mood booster is a particularly interesting program it's a therapy program for new mothers um, based on cognitive behavioral therapy and even if mum's going to see a therapist it's actually really good to have a little bit like with all all conditions it's really good to have a little bit of exposure to what cognitive behavioral therapy is all about before uh, you plunge into a relationship with a therapist because I think it makes the therapist's life easier. The This Way Up perinatal programs, there are two programs, one for antenatal and one for postnatal, CBT-based, and they're both three-lesson courses. When should a pharmacist recommend an online resource? How should they do it? Um, and what else does a pharmacist need to do to ensure that the team is aware of the recommendation? Elise, can you see yourself recommending an online course?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think um, as long as yeah we feel that it's you know appropriate, um, and I know there's been discussions about understanding what um, the resource looks like so that when you are if you are suggesting it, you know that you know you know what you're you know recommending, I suppose. Um, but in terms of recommending an online resource, I suppose we don't want it to replace the care that they would otherwise, you know, be seeking as part of you know seeing their GP or seeing their psychologist or seeking other you know face to face support as well, like we were talking about. So, you know, I suppose it's finding the right balance, um, and obviously, you know, engaging with um, you know letting the GP know what we're up to in terms of, um, you know, or what's happening so that they're aware and in the loop at the same time. We certainly don't want to operate in silos. The whole point is collaboration. So we want to be working um, as a team and that's reciprocal, you know, us being kept in the loop and then the rest of the health team being kept in the loop in
3: return. Peter? You recommend online resources, don't you? How? Give us some practical tips on how you go about it.
4: I think that's usually the first point that I start with is just understanding where people, how familiar people are with digital resources and what their sort of technological kind of literacy is, how comfortable they feel about seeking that sort of help. Um, often people have questions at that point, so just listening to and answering their questions or their concerns. I really like the Head to Health website. Um, which i think we're going to touch on at the end it's got a lot of different options and uh, my favorite part is the chatbot Sam the chatbot mm-hmm. I find that's a really nice gentle introduction for people they can get personalized recommendations from Sam
3: so um, you might you might nice- show um, a person the head to health website um, and ask them to go away and have a look at it yeah and yeah exactly I think that brings me to a point that I always like to make and that is you can't just give someone a url on a post-it note and expect them to go look it up you've got to open it up on your device and show it to them and better still open it up on their device so they've got a history of where to find it on their device so let's move on to Stuart who's another case study that we have Stuart's a 40 four-year-old man who's suffered from chronic pain for some time he we've noticed the pharmacist has noticed that there are increasingly tight intervals uh, on dispensing his pain medication and it's clear to the pharmacist Elise is very empathic that it, that he is not coping both physically and mentally, not taking his medications as prescribed and disengaging with family and friends. Elise, how have you gleaned all of this from Stuart? Um, We often know people really well, just like
1: any other member in the healthcare team, and maybe maybe poor Stuart struggled to come into the pharmacy in terms of you know mobility or his gait um you know he he was really you know it took him a bit longer than normal um if he was waiting for his prescription perhaps he found it quite hard to find a comfortable place to sit or stand um and he looked he looked you know unsteady um and we may notice that um, Stuart isn't himself in terms of his normal, um, you know, presentation and demeanour, um, and how we would normally, um, you know, chat to Stuart or what we would talk with him about. So, you know, I think all of those things um, are sort of, you know, the some red flags, but then we also see, you know, the dispensing type um, red flags as well in terms of, um, you know, seeing increased intervals and, you know, um, you know, wondering what's going on um, in that space as well. So I think, um, yeah, there's a few different ways that pharmacists who, you know, have longer term relationships with their, um, with the people that they see are able to, you know, help um, and, you know, help, you know, identify when there may be things that are not quite going as they should be.
3: You know, this, this um, denies the classic vision of a pharmacist behind a glass screen, never looking up from their computer, doesn't it? Uh, clearly, we're expecting a good deal more than that from pharmacists <laughs> in, in this environment. So yeah, yeah. just in summary, again, we can offer Stuart our time and acknowledgement of his distress. Um these things are all important in dealing with any patient, client, um, uh, consumer, uh, but uh, especially with those with mental health difficulties. And referral through um, for mental health assessments, emergency contacts may be necessary for Stuart, and perhaps even you might might talk to him about safety planning. Would you feel comfortable about doing that, Elise? I personally would, but I've had quite a
1: bit of specialised training in this space and it's a bit of a passion of mine. Not every pharmacist has had specialised mental health training and, you know, some have as well. So I suppose um, we're aware of our limits, we're aware of, um, you know, when it's outside of our skill set and scope of practice. But even if I was talking to somebody about safety planning, there is just simply no way that I would personally be the only health professional that felt like I could be part of that plan. I, I we universally would be referring at least to a GP or a psychologist or a crisis
3: team, um, you know, as well as, you know, phone lines
1: and other support services.
3: If you're interested and you don't know about suicide safety planning, go to the Beyond Blue website and suicide safety planning is specifically mentioned there. It's something that's meant to be done collaboratively with a Mm. mental health professional, not something that um, people are, are, well, they can do it on their own, but it's best done if it's done collaboratively we've got assertive follow-up on that list there that's my favorite topic of all (laughs) and referral to appropriate community services and referral for help with life skills now I of course want to tell you about some online resources and first of all Peter mentioned Head to Health, which is a website that you all need to know about if you want to know for your own sake or for your family's sake or for your patients or consumers or clients' sake about Online mental health resources. Head to Health was set up a few years ago by the federal government and only includes, at the moment, Australian evidence based resources. And as Peter said, it's easy to find things on it because there's a fantastic chat bot. You know, the chat bots that help you when you're doing your online shopping? Well, <laughs> this one helps you find an appropriate online resource to use for whatever your condition might be. It's important, too, to know that there are a couple of fantastic online pain management programs that might be important for Stuart to know about. Now, these are very useful when people... um, can't get into face-to-face pain management clinics. The first one comes from This Way Up. It's their chronic pain management course, which is used to be called Re- Reboot. It may still be called Reboot, but it's the pain management course. And you can get to that via the This Way Up website. And The other one, you know that this way up is St. Vincent's Hospital's um, suite of online programs, just in case you haven't encountered them. I'm sure um, of any of the online programs, most people are aware of this way up. But there's another clinic called MindSpot Virtual Clinic, which comes out of Macquarie University. And they've got a chronic pain course too, which is another one worth looking at. And the MindSpot course has clinicians that call people um, or email them after they enroll in the courses and after they've done each lesson. So if you've got somebody who's not really a self-starter who needs a bit of pushing along uh, above and beyond your help with the pain uh, education, then MindSpot Virtual Clinic may in fact be appropriate for them. You can get lots of medication related information from the Health Direct website.
0: Peter discussed the role of the psychologist when it comes to discussing medications with their clients. Mm.
4: I do see some of my colleagues advising people on medication or making Mm. comments that make consumers feel uncomfortable to take their medication, Mm. Um, and I'm the first to jump on them. really important part of good healthcare practice is practising within the limits of your competence. Mm. Um, But I agree it's really useful to have those medications on you know on referrals and mental health plans, so we can understand what the person is on because often they can't remember. Um, but also, so we can discuss with the referring physician, with the pharmacist, with everyone else. You know our thoughts or um, you know what aspects of someone's medication regimen might interact with their cognitive behavioural therapies.
0: Elise told us about a current trial being conducted across pharmacies in Australia called Farmy Bridge. This is for people with persistent and severe mental health issues. In the intervention group, the nominated pharmacist has regular interactions with patient and mental health upskilling is provided for the whole team to support the patients in a more effective way. We're still awaiting the results of this study and it'll be really interesting to see whether regular input from a mental health skilled pharmacist improves outcomes for our mental health patients with more complex needs. Jan then told us about some other e-mental health
3: resources
0: and training for
3: health professionals. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more about mental Health, you can go to the MPRAC page of the Black Dog Institute website, where you will find the previous 45 webinars to view on demand. You'll also find podcasts and in more recent times, maybe for the last 10 or 12 webinars, we've made podcasts out of the audio from the webinars. So you may prefer to listen to the, the edited version of the webinars.
0: To conclude, Jan discussed the Essential Network, an online resource, app, and clinic developed by the Black Dog Institute to support the mental wellbeing of all health professionals, including pharmacists. So please go and have a look at the page to learn more about how to support yourself or a colleague. Thanks for listening today. Bye.